And uh, September is here, right? And um, just the turning of the calendar creates all sorts of uh, feelings, we can say. Uh, but it's good. It's uh, the opportunity that's in front of us is real and positive. So uh, we would love to help you, especially those of you who are new to us over the summer months, to find a place of service with us. Um, this is a family, right? It's a community. And everybody has gifts to share, contribution to make. And uh, you can head over to our website, find the Serve tab, fill out one of the forms and say, I want to get involved in some way. It's always good that where our gifts match our passions, we are most fruitful. And uh, we would love to reach back and help you find a place to serve uh, in all sorts of different areas in church life. We all have different capacities, abilities to do things well. And so we hope that you will step, um, step out and step up and serve with us. That's the best way to get to know people, too, is to serve beside them. So consider yourself invited to, uh, to use your spiritual gifts. Happy Labor Day weekend to you. Um, this is a good weekend where historically we've celebrated the labor movement and fair treatment of workers, employees, all workers, all employees. And uh, it's sort of evolved to become just a, a long weekend before school starts. But it's, uh, it's supposed to be something where we recognize the contribution that uh, the working community make to all of our lives. You know, it, it happens to me quite often where I'll be driving and I'll just, when I was out west, it was amazing. It was People built these highways, you know, through mountains and tunnels and all this stuff. And, and then sometimes I'll see the electrical grid with all the infrastructure that carries power to my home, your home. And it's like previous generations uh, did a lot of work. And you and I get the benefit of having a reasonably comfortable life because of what has been done. And so this is consistent with the design. And we're going to explore this together today is that God has made us to be workers Sometimes it comes with a paycheck and it helps us support our families. Other times uh, it doesn't come with a paycheck. It's just a meaningful contribution to the world to make the world a better place, right? And so we want to be the kinds of people who uh, are not afraid of hard work. Um, they used to call it the Protestant work ethic. Um, but there's something about good, honest, hard work, right, that's good for us. I'm not sure I'm going to expect many amens after that one, but it's the truth. Um, <laughs> You know, sometimes you speak the truth and there isn't an amen, but because you're just pondering it. You're, 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 letting, it, you're letting it wash over you. Um, and so, so thank you. Thank you. I think that was Adam up there, I think. But um, uh, yeah, work is a good thing. And, uh, but work can be costly, right? Um, it's rewarding in the sense that when we make a contribution, there's something meaningful and satisfying, hopefully, that happens when we make a contribution. But it's also costly because um, we spend energy. Um, we sacrifice time, whatever it might be. And it can leave us at the end of an honest day's work, whether it's mental work or whether it's physical labor, uh, it can leave us with a measure of depletion where we feel uh, like we need to rest and restore to get ready to do it all over again the next day. And then we thank God for weekends like this where we can experience a little bit more extended rest and break. But as we understand the Bible and the way God has designed things, Scripture teaches that work is intended to be a uh, stewardship, a stewardship of the gifts and the abilities and the capacities to do things well. Uh, it's a stewardship of what God has entrusted to us, whether it be our time or our talents or the people we get to care for and serve and, and uh, making progress. Um, we want to see things become progressive. We want to make things better. 
When I came to serve at King Street Community Church, our family said, we want to we wanna leave the church better than we found it. And um, it's important that we not leave our mark for our sake, but that we fulfill the, the meaningful contribution God has assigned us. And so it's stewardship. Work is stewardship. Um, work is also, to those of us who are Jesus followers in the room, work is also worship. Um, I have an employer. I get paid every two weeks by King Street Community Church. I have a board that I'm accountable to, a membership that I report to. Um, so we all have employers, and it's not just pastors or church leaders that would ultimately say, but my, my boss is God. It's not just us. Even though you can see the natural direction, the straight line from a church leader to God because we work ultimately for him. But we all do, actually. All of us. And scripture teaches very clearly that whether it's our eating or drinking, we should, all, we should do it all for the glory of God. And then also we have human um, people we report to, but ultimately they're under God. And so we all work for, for God and for his glory and honor. That's kind of the design. That's the way things are, are intended to be. But we lose sight of that often. It's easy to do that when the grind of life happens. Um, burnout is also real. Um, ever experienced, I'm not looking for a show of hands, but I've had mine. I think it was a mild form. When we built this space, actually, I had some wonderful people around me who did some really heavy lifting. But pastors get caught up in it, and it's part of capital campaigns and meetings and building projects and decision-making and all that stuff. And I felt like my energy levels took a little bit of a hit uh, during that season. Um, probably most of us at some point along the journey will end up experiencing some measure of burnout symptoms. Uh, maybe you'll escape it. That would be a wonderful thing, but it happens to many people. And one of the reasons why people experience burnout, this is just a little aside for today, is sometimes too much of a good thing is still too much, right? We have our limits. Uh, when we see limits as gift and when we embrace the, the gift of Sabbath and when we know when to say enough is enough, that's a wonderful gift to ourselves. And so too much of a good thing is still too much and we can feel exhausted, depleted, experience burnout symptoms. But often they say people who struggle with burnout, it's from doing the kind of work that doesn't, seem meaningful or satisfying. And so even if you do just a little bit of it or a reasonable amount of it, it's something's not resonating or ringing true to us. And so we can easily feel like, wow, that 30-hour work week feels like 60 because I just don't like what I do. And that can lead to, to burnout symptoms. I didn't sign up to do capital campaigns and building projects. I, I felt the call of God to build his church with him uh, and the church's people. So that's kind of the world I felt called to, but this was necessary. So we did what we needed to do, and so the wear and tear, it makes sense to me, right, that I was sort of outside of my scope, uh, probably outside of my scope of competency for one thing, but outside of my scope of passion and interest and all of that. Um, and so maybe you're here today and you're exhausted because too much of a good thing is still too much. Uh, or maybe it's because the, what you're putting your hand to, for some reason, the meaning and the significance seems to be waning or something in your life. I hope by the time we're done this teaching on this Labor Day weekend, there'll be an infusion of strength for you and rest. And um, so, uh, so happy Labor Day weekend to you. And I hope you do find some time to rest and feel restored. And after just found my way onto the stool, would you please stand with me? We're going to read a passage together. Um, this is our passage to ponder. This is uh, not the beginning of a series. It's just a one-off teaching, but I thought it was very appropriate for today. So um, if you would read aloud with me, and so your neighbor can hear you, this is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, beginning at verse 28, just three verses, the words of Jesus. So let's read together. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word of the Lord, you may be seated. It's a well-known passage if you're familiar with the Gospels. Uh, where Jesus makes this grand invitation and he puts himself at the very center of restorative rest. And uh, so we're gonna just unpack the teaching. I've got three thoughts for you and hopefully there'll be some handles for you to live by as we make our, through, our way through the passage. But our first thought for consideration today is that we are designed to work. I've already alluded to that this morning. Um, when work is hard and work can be hard, that's why it's work. Um, we can consider maybe falsely for even a brief moment of time or maybe an extended period of time that work is evil and it's not good and it's part of the curse, (laughs) right? Sweat on the brow feels like I wasn't made for this, right? I would rather be on the beach sweating differently than being in the trenches of my workplace sweating as I am. Uh, but we were, we were placed, the first humans were placed in a garden to work it. Um, I, I have some, some good news for you and some bad news, maybe, um, if you're perceiving work as not good or dark and evil and part of the curse. We were made to work before sin entered our experience, which means we are going to work in the new heaven and the new earth. And it will be beautiful and good, just as work is intended to be good and beautiful on this side. So work is not part of the curse, but what is part of the curse is the resistance factor. Can we call it that? There were thorns and thistles that were going to be produced for these these agrarian workers in the garden. And they they represent the resistance to the toil Uh, Work is not easy. It's challenging. Something happens to us when we engage a challenge and an effort and we crash through it. Um, There's something that happens to us as we leave something hopefully productive behind, as we make good use of our two hands or our our brain, our mental faculties. Um, So work, work is not a curse. It's not part of the fallen experience, though the resistance that may come may be part and parcel of our life outside of Eden. So it's, it's God-approved, it's God-sanctioned, it's good, God designed us to work, but there is a resistance factor. So work was part of our experience in Paradise Lost and will be part of our experience in the new heaven and the new earth, but without the thorns and thistles. And that's what we say, thanks be to God. Um, but life and work can leave us weary, can't it? Um, I've experienced that myself, even though I love what I do, and I say this as a caveat, most days. I love what I do most days, um, but it can leave me weary and somewhat burdened. I'm sure you can relate. Um, I've been unpacking this week as I've been studying this passage, kind of the original language. So weary in English, the best we can do by it in the original is fatigued by work. That's, that's what it means, fatigued by work. So if you're weary, according to Jesus in this passage, he's saying, those of you who are exhausted from work, come to me. And sometimes we're weary from our work, and sometimes we're weary from trying to make life work, right? Trying to make life work is a vocation in itself. And that can be challenging, because there are thorns and thistles. There are resisting factors to us living out the good and beautiful life. 
and we all experience that. So Jesus says, those of you who are exhausted from work, or maybe even exhausted from trying to make life work, come to me. Not just those who are weary, those who are burdened. And what that means, literally in the original language, is to load up, to have a heavy load. And we'll come back to this in a minute. But for those of you who feel weighed down by a heavy load, you're carrying something heavier than you want to manage on your own. And it can also mean this spiritual anxiety. Those of you who are feeling anxious spiritually, come to me. And there's a context to this. And we'll get to it in a few moments as well. But um, there were no chapters in the original manuscripts. Right? So we're reading from Matthew chapter 11, and at the end of chapter 11, we finish at verse 30. Chapter 12 begins, and, and it's just a continuation, but Jesus has an interaction with some religious people who are talking about Sabbath and rule-keeping. And so he says, those of you who are tired of keeping man-made rules, checking the boxes of man-made religious expectations, come to me. See, there's a difference between checking the boxes and being a religious person who's kind of lost the plot and being somebody who is with Jesus or following him closely. And that's what Jesus is making a distinction to here. Because the religious people in Matthew 23, same gospel, my paraphrase, he had some hard words for them in Matthew 23. And he says to them something like this. He says, you tie up heavy loads, but you don't do anything. You don't lift a finger to help people with the weight they're carrying. That's what religious people sometimes do. And God forgive me if I ever do that to you. I signed up to follow Jesus closely because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And if I ever add to your load in ways that are not God-sanctioned or God-approved, I am way outside of my lane and my calling. If Jesus was someone who said, come to me, those of you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble of heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, easy, and my burden is light, not heavy. And so Jesus is saying here in this passage that if you're feeling the weight of religious expectations, there's another way. Come to Jesus. Commandments are God's invitation for us to live a good and beautiful life. And sometimes temptation is an invitation to go the other way, right? And we need the help of the Spirit, the people of God, the Word of God, to not just be aware, but to have the strength and the power to move in all the right directions. And so um, the prescription for burnout today is meaningful work and harmonious relationships while we're at work. Meaningful work can happen when we understand who our ultimate employer is, which is God himself. And so we'll unpack the rest of this as we look at the rest of the passage. So um, we are designed to work. It's a good thing. So anybody who says work is terrible, they're kind of resisting the design that God has made us for. Some work can be hard and maybe feel terrible. And uh, those of you who are in very uncomfortable work settings, uh, my heart is toward you today because I know that that can be challenging and hard. But the invitation to be people who make a contribution is real and it's good. All right. Secondly, we are also, thanks be to God, invited to rest. I was looking for an amen on that one for sure, but we're invited to rest, right? Jesus says, if you come to me, those of you who are weary and burdened, you know, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you rest. There's like a promise that's held out. Those of us who come to Jesus who are weary and burdened will find rest there. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me from gentle and humble of heart and you'll find rest for your souls. 
So the best way to understand soul, sometimes it gets really easily misunderstood. We sometimes think of the soul as like a compartment in the human person. There's like, there's me, and then there's my soul, and there's my body, my mind, and, and there's an element, an aspect of truth to that, but not entirely. When the biblical writer references the word soul, he is referencing um, the totality of the human person, the restored human self, and, or the integrated human self. Um, and so think about, think about four aspects of the person, and this maybe will help us, because this is what Jesus is talking about. He's not just interested in a part of your life, he's interested in your life. Jesus is not just saving souls, he's saving people, whole people, right? He cares about your mind, he cares about your body, he cares about your decision making, he cares about your relationships, he cares about every facet of your life, just doesn't care about your spiritual part. Uh, in fact, I love what Rob Bell said a number of years ago, he said, everything is spiritual. That's a biblical way of looking at spirituality. Everything is spiritual, even the material. Um, so think about the human person with four concentric circles. Think about the will at the very center, and then think about um, the mind, and then think about the body, and then think about the soul. That's the four words. Dallas Willard, you've heard his name many times around here. That's how he describes the soul. There's a series of concentric circles, and the soul encapsulates it all. And so when we think about the soul, when Jesus says, and you will find rest for your soul, he's not just saying that spiritual part of you. So the rest of my life is experiencing all sorts of anxiety, there's trouble on the horizon here and there, all that stuff, and I feel like I'm being um, disintegrated. No, no, the soul is the integrated self. And when we come to Jesus, he leads us into an integrated approach to life, right? People of integrity, a whole number, right? If it's an integer, it's a whole number. People of integrity are brought together. Jesus is putting people together again. We're fragmented. When we're not at our best, don't we use those words? It just feels so, I feel like I'm coming apart. Have you ever experienced that before? Sometimes it's the best language we can come up with. I feel like I'm coming apart. Life has thrown some curveballs at me, and I feel like life is, I'm just feeling disintegrated. Jesus says, I want to integrate the self, integrate you to become the best version of yourself. And so this is what we're talking about. Can I read Dallas Willard again? He says this. The soul is that aspect of your whole being that correlates, integrates, and enlivens everything going on in the various dimensions of the self. The soul is the life center of human beings, if your soul is healthy, no external circumstance can destroy your life. Can I say that again? If your soul is healthy, no external circumstance can destroy your life. If your soul is unhealthy, no external circumstance can redeem your life. So the hymn writer would say, pen the words, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul, even though everything around me may be falling apart, though the things on the horizon seem threatening, right? It is well with my soul. When God walks with us, when we walk with God, we can walk through the darkness because we are not alone as the psalm writer, right? I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Yeah, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He carries a big stick, and he will protect me. This is who our God is, right? 
but it's predicated upon this invitation. Come to me. He won't force you, but he invites you. Come to me. So rest is part of our experience of paradise lost and is central to eternal life. How do we know that? Well, the Sabbath principle is real. Jesus, or I should say God himself, he set the pace for his image bearers, right? He goes to work, chapter one, he's creating over six days. He makes us as his image bearers on day six, and he says we are very good. I love that. I come back to that often. You are very good by design. Everything else in the world, I was talking to a friend yesterday, actually at the Cobra camp, and he was out with his family in the Rocky Mountains and seeing the beautiful creation of the West, and it was just like, oh, majestic mountains. They're beautiful. God is so, so good. And we see what he made, and he says day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, and it was good, right? It's good. He gets to you, and he gets to me, and the first man, the first woman. Very good. You're beautiful. You're awesome. You're beyond the beauty of the Rocky Mountains. And this is why every human, even the people who don't like us, and even the people we sometimes don't like, they're still very good. And we're called to love them. I just said that to my family this morning. I said, we are, if we are anything, we are people of love. That's who we are. The first and last word spoken over your life is that you're loved. First and last word that should come out of my life, out of my mouth, is that I love. If I have been infected by the spirit of Jesus, love should be what you see from me. And if you don't, the problem is not with the source, which is God. The problem is with me. And so I choose love. You choose love. It's what we do. It's who we are. Rest helps us love better. If you're depleted and tired, you don't love well, do you? I don't. Um, what, what do they say? Halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. We're more vulnerable when those things are happening. What do they say? You're hangry? <laughs> if you're, yeah, have a Snickers. Have something chocolatey, something sweet. That'll help you. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. When you're tired because you've been working too much, remember, too much of a good thing is still too much. Sometimes ministers have to say, that's enough for now. I'm going to go to sleep and Jesus will run the universe. <laughs> right? I'll wake up in the morning and say, I can't believe it, the sun came up again. <laughs> like, who do I think I am? But don't we go there sometimes? We think if we stopped doing it, everything would fall apart. I said that to somebody recently. I forget who I was even talking to. And I said, you know what? I bet you if you give it a little bit of time, they'll solve their own problem. I don't know what workplace you're in, but sometimes I know I can be that way. I like respond immediately. That's it's a bit of a compulsion of mine. I respond immediately to people as best I can. And it's sort of like, you know what? If I gave them a little more time, because Henry Nouwen said that. He said, sometimes we get in the way of the ministry of Jesus. Pastors get in the way of the ministry of Jesus because we always think it's all on us and we got to make it happen for people. Sometimes what ministers should do is actually step out of the way, make room for Jesus and you, and guess what will happen? You and Jesus will resolve the issue. Sometimes pastors are supposed to be there. That's what they do. Counselors are supposed to be there. They walk with people. And there's nothing wrong with ever reaching out for help. But sometimes when we're not at our best, we impose ourselves too quickly and maybe for too long sometimes and let you and Jesus sort stuff out. 
All right, so here's God. He's resting because he's love, right? Sometimes love needs, needs a rest. He didn't need it, but he's setting the pace for us. Um, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Um, we are given the gift of Sabbath, by the way, and I won't spend too much time on this. It's one of my passions, but we are given the gift of Sabbath. Sabbath literally means in Hebrew to stop. We are told to stop. That's enough for now. And so it is a gift. We are no longer slaves in Egypt. The commandments, if we understand the commandments, the spirit of the commandments, at the very beginning, uh, my paraphrase, God says, um, you're no longer slaves in Egypt. And so I'm going to help you, what we would call the Ten Commandments, the top ten list. I'm going to give you some tangible ways to live so that you can remain free. That's the point. God is not looking to take people from Egypt and put them in a different kind of Egypt, a religious bondage. He's looking at freeing people and keeping them free. The commandments lead to a life of liberty. And one of the commandments is this. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your, you can underline this, for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock and foreigners living among you. Everybody gets a break. Even the animals get a break. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. Here comes the, the model, the design. He set the pace. The sea and everything in them, but on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Holy literally means different. There's ordinary days, and then there's a different day. Typically, Christians, because of Resurrection Sunday, we have called Sabbath Sunday. But our Jewish friends, they celebrate Saturday as Sabbath. Sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday is Sabbath. It's the seventh day. Uh, the first day of the week, Sunday, right? But Christians have reclaimed Sunday and called it Sabbath because we are resurrection people. That's why we do what we do. Because resurrection is an important celebration. And so we celebrate um, and now Jesus again, we're just about to wrap up. Jesus puts himself at the center of our problem with burnout and fatigue and our experience of true rest. He puts himself at the very center. He says, come to me. All right, number three, here's the last one. The work rest rhythm, life with Jesus. That's what it's supposed to be. It's not all rest. It's not all work. It's a work rest rhythm. And one more time, I'll share it. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. That's who Jesus is. And you will find rest for your souls. So life with Jesus resolves the issue of meaningful work because now it's about him. It's not just about widgets and production and sales targets. And yes, those things matter, but ultimately it's life under Jesus. We want to steward the life entrusted to us for his glory, for his honor, and there's a context to Colossians chapter 3, but let me read it to you. Um, scripture did not promote the idea of what we would consider to be destructive slavery that we've seen in other parts of the world at other times in history. The Bible, Christian faith, was putting parameters, protective parameters around it 
But in this context, for us in the 21st century, think places of employment, think of employees. But Paul writes and says this, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time. Think about it as an employee-employer relationship. Not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. And so back in this context, there was a master-slave relationship. And Paul writes and says, those of you who find yourself in that relationship, serve your master well. We're celebrating fair treatment of workers today. Thanks be to God that societies have evolved cultures have changed. There are things like the labor, what is it, the Labor Act or the the Workmen's, uh, there's the WSIB, there's all sorts of stuff that protects the employee and protects workers so that they're not taken advantage of. And it's important that employers take very good care of their employees and they should be held accountable to do the same. And so it's not moving in one direction, it's moving in both directions. And, um, but life with Jesus starts with us as a Jesus-following community where meaningful work now is very closely associated with who my ultimate master is, which is, which is God himself. Um, life with Jesus resolves the issue of religious burnout, right? Religious burnout. Um, let me try to unpack this for you. In the original language of this passage, the word burden, right? He says... For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Burden in this context is, can mean this, invoice as part of freight. Invoice as part of freight. My burden is light. Jesus is going to carry a heavy load for you, right? Take my yoke upon you like two oxen. I'm gonna do the heavy lifting you join me, we join Jesus, we go together, he puts the yoke on, his yoke is easy, his burden is light, so the freight that he is carrying is light, it's not a heavy invoice, he doesn't invoice us and say, by the way, this is going to be costly for you, I'm not looking for a pound of flesh, my paraphrase, Jesus is saying, it is not going to be an exorbitant cost for you to join me in this work. Invoice is part of freight. It's not going to be too heavy. It's going to be light and easy because we'll stay in step with the rhythm of Jesus. He'll do the heavy lifting. We'll just keep in step with him. Isn't that what Paul says? Stay in step with the Spirit. He does the heavy lifting. When we go our own way, Life can get a lot more complicated and a lot harder. When we're in step with Jesus, life can be hard too, by the way. Uh, everybody in this room has been familiar with some form of hard. Some of you, it's right, real, right now, right in this room, you're feeling it. And for others of you, you can look back over your shoulder and the heavy was real and it was just not that long ago. And there'll be some more heavy coming, by the way. But if we stay in step with Jesus, it's lighter than if we try to go it on our own. And again, just we'll wrap up with this last passage. Um, Matthew chapter 12, this is homework for you, I guess, if you want some homework. 
Matthew chapter 12, the very first few verses, all of a sudden these religious people after this conversation start bringing up, how come your disciples break the Sabbath? We saw what they were doing. How come? What's going on here? The rule keepers were at it again. They had their notepad out and they were seeing these people break the rules. And Jesus says, you guys don't get it. It's my paraphrase. You guys don't get it. You're missing the forest for the trees. Don't you understand what Sabbath is? Sabbath is a gift for people. In fact, don't you understand that the priests are breaking Sabbath all the time when they go into the temple and they do their work? That's like our 911 responders or people who have to work on a certain day of the week. I work on Sundays. I'm a Sabbath breaker if you're going to be religious and legalistic about Sunday. And our board is complicit in my sin because <laughs> I work Sundays. I celebrate Sabbath. Our whole staff team does on Fridays. I'm not sure Jesus is that concerned with what day it is. You can search out other parts of the, of the New Testament where Paul says, some people get all bent out of shape over days and weeks and celebrations and festivals and all these kind of things. At the end of the day, you offer your life as a living sacrifice to Jesus regardless of what day you're on. As long as one day a week you choose to rest and celebrate and be restored and refreshed and worship the one true God more consciously, carve out time for renewal, that's the spirit of Sabbath keeping. And this is why Jesus says, all those people over there, they tie up heavy loads, they put it on your back, they don't even lift a finger to make your life easier. Not me, he says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble of heart and you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Right. This, is, this is our God. So um, I hope you're experiencing the lightness of what it means to, um, to walk with Jesus. Can I read this last part? Religion misunderstood can make a person's life heavier. And life with Jesus is intended to be a good, better, and full of grace kind of life. That's what the word easy means. Good, better, and full of grace. My yoke is easy. It's good. It's better. It's full of grace. I hope you're experiencing the easy in the middle of the hard. Isn't that a contradiction? Feeling overwhelmed by life's experiences and all the stuff that's swirling around us and the heavy load that sort of seems to be there and at the same time you're held by something different? Do you have a testimony to share about how God has held you during a hard time? The tsunami of difficulty just crashed against the shoreline of your life and it's like, for some reason, I was held. He's capable of holding us and he'll give you the grace you need for the moments when you need it. And uh, leaning into a few good friends along the way who share your faith Talking to spiritual leaders along the way isn't a bad idea either. Staying up, up close and personal with God through his word and his spirit is, uh, is huge. And belonging to a community of faith where regularly we say it's time to go to the house of the Lord and worship the one true God. It's all part of cultivating an integrated a life, a life so that we can actually say it as well with my soul, even though things around me are not really going in all the directions I'd prefer. Lord Jesus, thank you again today for your love. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that it doesn't matter how dark the storm clouds may be on the horizon or maybe even over our lives right now. Thank you that there is a son, S-O-N, who is behind the clouds and he's with us right now by his spirit. And we are full of your life. We are full of your hope. Thank you that on this Resurrection Sunday that we celebrate all the time, every time the church meets for worship, we celebrate resurrection, that death doesn't get the last word. Right? Suffering has its place in our redemption, but resurrection, life wins over death. 
Thank you that you are raising us up to be the people of God that you've called us to be. Lord, may you um, remind us today in fresh ways that your spirit has been poured out on the people of God. May you help us to be infused by your spirit's presence and power. Would you help us to walk uprightly before you, living the kinds of lives, Lord, that would reflect your goodness and your glory to the world around us. We absolutely, God, collectively in this room, say we love you, and we thank you for your um, unconditional love for us. Even though sometimes we may not get it right, Lord, you still pronounce rightness over us because of what was done for us. And we say thanks be to God for that. And we pray that in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.